sitting at my desk talking and I'm processing it. I would say. Slides. Turn this down. Why? Okay. Mm -hmm. I said we cannot hear. Regina gave me all the confidence that I needed. And I should thank Regina for the VTOOM. And I just really want to encourage all of you, my remonences, that hang in there. This is possible. You can, you will, and you must fast and flex. And happy Monday, guys. How are you? This is Monday motivation, how to pass NCLEX. And we are starting with a topic. We're starting with a topic that is like, yeah, we got to know it as nurses. It's going to be the donning the sterile gloves. And this is something that I do focus on. I've always put this in quick facts. We'll be going over a quick facts topic today. And the reason why I put this in quick facts is because when you think about what nurses are responsible for, when it comes to patient safety, maintaining a sterile field is primarily going to be the nurse's job. Like when you're doing a procedure, you have to not only maintain your own sterile field, but if, even if you're working with a physician, you have to monitor and make sure that he or she does not break their sterile field. So can you guys hear me okay? All right, so that's what we're going over. This topic is, you know, it's pretty simple, but also at the same time, I found it to be kind of... Challenge. We're gonna start with the clipboard, okay? And the clipboard is just going to allow us to make sure that we are starting from the same place. So, sterile gloves, okay, sterile gloves. When do we use sterile gloves? When do we use sterile gloves? For what type of procedures? Because we don't use sterile gloves for everything. You're not setting up a sterile field 
when you go and do vital signs. You're not setting up a sterile field. Even when you um, start in, um, you know, like start um, pulse oximetry, things like that, right? So I like here, we are using sterile gloves for, I like it. Ooh. Good job. Comments on the screen. We are using sterile gloves for invasive procedures. Okay. And this is very important because we have to memorize and we have to understand our anatomy, the human body, right? And inside of the human body, we do not find what? We do not find bacteria, right? So in most of the organs that you will be working with, well, maybe except for the bowels, right? But most of the organs that you will be working with, the heart, the bladder, right? The liver, the spleen, these things are all free from bacteria. So sterility is so important that we are not introducing, um, you know, contaminants into a sterile cavity, all right? Now, the thing about this wearing gloves, when it comes to healthcare, what does it decrease in a negative way? So I don't want you guys to think, oh, it decreases bacteria or something like that. No, no. The trouble with gloves, and this is why it's so important that the size of the glove is correct, the thickness of the glove, is because it is going to decrease your, your what? It's a sense. And I, I don't know if you ever thought about this before, but this is important when you're doing procedures. It is going to decrease your sense of touch. And that is something that is actually studied. It's something that's studied when a, uh, you know, a surgeon is wearing a certain thickness of a glove or a nurse is wearing a glove that is too, uh, too loose, right? It is going to decrease your sensitivity to the patient's skin. It's going to decrease your ability to, um, to feel the correct uh, you know, anatomical organs that you're looking for. And so the size of your glove is very important. Okay. What's the most important task to do first? The most important task to do before putting on sterile gloves is going to be what? Ah, I like the comments. It says, I'm learning today. We come here to learn. Yeah. Come here to learn. Oh, congratulations. I got them testimonials. Hi, Miss Regina. I passed my NCLEX RN on Friday, October 13th. That is my little baby's birthday. Um, in Jesus' name, I am a Remar nurse. I love that nurse law. I love that when I when I'm able to read. I am a Remar nurse. So much there. Thank you, Jesus, and thank you, Team Remar. Well, congratulations! You have your nursing license now. You are a RN. I'm so happy for you. Thank you so much for coming and telling us. We do the most important task to do before putting on sterile gloves. Wash your hands. Oh, got to do it. Okay, got to wash your hands. Now, what is the medical emergency that NCLEX will ask you about when it comes to sterile gloves? This is, if, if you don't remember much else of what I say, this is a huge point. You guys, you know, we always got to know about the medical emergencies. What's the medical emergency when it comes to sterile gloves? Come on, give it to me. Give it to me. It's not sepsis. It's not, what is it? I'm still looking for it. I don't see it yet. I'm giving you time. Let me read this testimonial. Hi, everyone. Professor Regina. Uh, and listen to your videos for only three weeks in your channel. You were the top of my learning. So now I can say I'm a Remar nurse. Thank you so much for your prayers, for your enthusiasm, and everything you do for the community. Amazing. Ah, congratulations for passing. And I see it here. I see it. We need to know if our patient has this. <laughs> you guys are on fire this morning. So you guys are so up this, this Monday. Latex allergies. Yes. If your patient has a latex allergy, you better know the alternative. What's the alternative glove you can wear when your patient has a latex allergy? What's it called? 
What is it? Quickly, tell me, tell me, tell me. Do you know? Uh, if you don't know, we are definitely going to get into it. But that was our clipboard review. Remember, this specific topic is in Quick Facts. And I thought somebody said page 35. Um, and it's actually, if you have this one, or even if you have the five star, you don't have the next one. Sterile Gloves is also on that one, too. Mm -hmm, 35. 35. Okay, let's get into it. We are talking about, bam, donning sterile gloves on today. This is Monday, a beautiful week. Hey, if you have not liked us on the Remar for NCLEX Facebook page, take a moment to do so because we are going to be into our giveaway seasons and I will be specifically picking people from Facebook to give our prizes away. So like us on Facebook. And you guys know this time of year, we do events for Remar and you don't wanna miss the event that's happening this month in October. We have it coming up. Have you registered for it? You have the workbook. It's scary topics. Inclex scary topics. Sign up for remarnurse.com forward slash scary. It's scary. And let me just say this. Because people are like, oh, you're celebrating Halloween. Why do you do scary topics? Why would you recognize it? It doesn't have anything to do with Halloween. People are watching scary movies. They're going to haunted houses. They doing all kinds of stuff. To me, nothing is scarier, no matter what time of year it is, than not being prepared for your NCLEX. That is the scariest thing that can happen to you. Showing up for that exam, and realizing I did not study this, okay? Um, and so maybe it says, I got my workbook so ready for the scary topics. It's gonna be a three-day event. So make sure that you sign up for it because the workbook is ready. I'm ready for you guys this year. Remarnurse.com forward slash scary. Get there, get there. Also, share your video, bring a friend, start a study group, all that stuff. Okay, donning sterile gloves. So donning sterile gloves we are just talking about the process of putting on sterile gloves because there are steps there are steps that take place in order for you to maintain your aseptic conditions during this process sterile gloves are typically used in the, the medical and healthcare setting you can see them if you're going to do inpatient work if you're going to do outpatient work it's gonna require you to get sterile. So you have to know about it. If you take an NCLEX, you have to know this. Now, there are different types of sterile gloves that you should know. And this begs for my allergy question that I had if a patient's latex, uh, allergic to latex, which latex is made from what? A rubber, okay? And the reason why latex is so popular is because Latex allows you to have good dexterity and also good sensitivity. It is perfect if we need to, you know, feel skin, feel nodules. Those gloves are going to allow you to do that the best. However, latex is an abrasive. It is an abrasive material. And so there are some patients who have allergies to latex. And even what research shows is that some patients may not start, and even nurses, you may not start having an allergy to latex, but if you're in nursing for 10, 15 years, right, and you're wearing latex every day, you can start to develop a sensitivity to latex. So when you work on the unit, you actually see most units are what they're doing is they're moving away from latex and they are moving to the nitrile gloves. And so nitrile gloves are the suitable alternative for people with latex allergies. And they offer a similar sensitivity to latex. And so now do you guys see this? Um, now the nitrile gloves, do you see these now? I see these more than ever. I see these more than ever. So they are another type of glove. Yes, mechanics and nail tech, you guys are like, there's other people that develop, um, beauticians, mechanics, yeah. Anybody that wears latex over a period of time can develop an allergy to it. Good comments, great comments. 
Vinyl gloves are typically what we see. They're also made from synthetic material. But you know what? What's the difference between vinyl gloves and nitrile gloves or latex gloves? Like, why do we see vinyl gloves pretty much everywhere? Like, why? You can go, literally, if you wanted to go to Dollar Tree, you can go and get you some vinyl gloves. Why are they very popular on this planet? Why are they so popular? Because the vinyl gloves are cheap. They are cheap. And so they are pretty much the economical option. But if you, if you look at them, they don't allow you to have the same sensitivity. They don't have you allow you to have the same sensitivity. Neoprene gloves are made from a synthetic rubber. However, they are more appropriate. We don't use these too much in nursing. They're more appropriate if you are handling chemicals. So typically in laboratory, unless you're going to be doing research nursing or working in the lab, you will probably be using these neoprene gloves, but I don't, I don't see us using them pretty much for our standard of nursing care. Yep. So it's the nitrile gloves that will be the appropriate alternative if your patient has a latex allergy. Check that note there. Factors to consider when selecting gloves for different procedures. So of course, we're going to look at the material that we're handling. If there is a need for sterility, the size, the thickness, allergies, and the task-specific considerations. I saw somebody put that we are always sterile for wound. We're always sterile for wound dressings. Is that true? When we do wound dressings, do we always have to create a sterile field? What say of you guys? And I thought that was a really great question because we have nurses from all different levels of entry. Some of you are new nurses. Some of you are, you know, seasoned nurses. So I want to make this clear. When you are doing when you are doing wound care, you should look for whether it is considered a sterile procedure or not, because some wounds do not require you to be sterile. Okay. And I know it's kind of confusing because isn't a wound invasive? Isn't there a break in the skin? Mm, yes, there are. But some procedures are only, I like that. Some procedures are only clean procedures. They are not sterile. So great comment. Thank you guys so much for the comments here. The importance of sterility or sterile gloves are going to be infection control, surgical procedures, some wound care, invasive interventions, some occupational safety. All right. Compliance with just our basic standards. We are providing a certain level of care. And then also we are maintaining the client's confidence and trust by protecting them from harm. We have to do that. It's the nurse's responsibility. So there are, um, I, I, I'm going to say any surgical procedure, any invasive medical procedure, and some wound care and dressing changes will require you to be sterile. But again, when it comes to wound care and dressing changes, please defer to what the physician is requiring you to do. Surgical procedures and invasive medical procedures, you need to be sterile. And it is a big deal for sterility. I was talking to um, one of my friends and she was saying how she was going in for a surgery on her leg and she wanted her husband to be in the operating room. But the physician said her husband cannot be in the operating room. And she's like, why is that? Why do you guys think... Uh, Spouses, significant others, family, friends are not allowed in the operating room with their loved ones. Why do they have to wait outside when one of them could be in there, right? One of them could be there. Even if they were in the back in the corner, why do we prohibit them from going with their loved ones during surgery? Yeah, <laughs> it's unethical. This is, uh, what do you say? To maintain sterility because they are dirty. All right, that's, that's nursing talk. That's nursing talk, right? They are unsterile, controls traffic. Exactly. So when we say somebody is dirty in a medical term, we are talking about the possibility of them being contaminated. All right. And so 
we are trying our very best to maintain a sterile environment. And so that essentially means, and this is what we need to tell our patients, this is very important for patient education, everybody in the operating room is trained to maintain a sterile presence, okay? So you can't just go in there. You have to tell our family members, you can't go in there because you're not trained to be in that environment, all right? Because you don't know that if you sneeze, right, you just contaminated the entire area, things like that. Yes, this is also for LPNs also, absolutely. This is also because LPNs can assist with sterile procedures, all right? And so, yes, these are the real-life conversations that NextGen NCLEX wants us to be able to have with our patients and their families, especially if you want to work in PEDS, if you want to work in PEDS and surgical care for babies, you know the mothers and the fathers want to be there the entire way, all right? You know they want to be in there with their child. So we have to be able to have the conversations intelligently without hurting the, the the family members' feelings. But no, like, no, you can't go back in there because everybody would be trained to be in that environment but you, right? And so why, um, more specifically, what are some sterile procedures that you have to do, right? Um, especially PNs, if you have some PNs watching, catheterizations. Why do you have to be sterile when you're putting in a Foley catheter? Isn't urine dirty? Isn't urine a, a, a byproduct of toxins? Why do we have to be in um, why do we have to be in a, in a sterile environment? Yes, some C-sections. And I, I love they, they allow one person to accompany you during C-sections. But where is that where is that person positioned? Right? That person, is there, and of course they've done the research and they've said that during labor and delivery, the patients do better when they have a supportive person, okay? The patients do better. It affects the outcome of the mother when she's able to have a supportive person in the room, right? But where do we keep them? We keep them away from the sterile procedure. So like we put the drape up so that everything below that drape, the, the person is not contaminating. It is difficult. Somebody says that, that we had a husband pass out. Yes. And so then the husband becomes uh, a, a patient. So it's tough. It's very tough. But I, I was asking the question, why do we have to do an invasive sterile procedure when it comes to the bladder? When urine is supposed to be what? Urine is supposed to be a waste product. Good question. The reason is because the bladder, inside of the bladder, where we are about to put the catheter is what? Is sterile. Inside of the urinary tract is sterile. All right. So it is very, very important that with Foley catheters, and I don't care what the situation looks like, I know you're probably going to be in a bed. The patient might be, uh, the patient might be dirty themselves. They may not have had the chance to have a bath, or you know, the bed linens might be dirty, and you just got to get this catheter in you still have to be able to maintain and set up a sterile field because you're about to insert um, an object into a sterile bladder, okay? And so when this is not done correctly, what happens to the patients? What happens to the patients in the nursing home? What happens to the patients in the hospital or the rehab when the nurse is very nonchalant about sterility, right? Very, very, very sad. Okay. So and uh we have also the obstetric and gynecological procedures. Those also have to be sterile. And we understand that the uterus, the cervix, those are all sterile. Um, those are all gonna be sterile, sterile, sterile environments. This is good stuff. I mean, because this is the day-to-day -day care of nursing that really makes a difference on your patient outcomes. 
Also, hey, we have 400 people. We have 400 people watching on YouTube, but only 80 likes. So let's get those likes up. Smash that like button. Let's get to 200 likes to unlock our bonus question on today. We can do it. We have been consistently smashing the like button and unlocking. So here, that's our unlocking challenge. 200, 200 likes. So donning sterile gloves, the first thing you have to do is wash your hands. It does not matter if you put on sterile gloves and your hands are dirty, you are going to you're going to be putting yourself at risk for contaminating your sterile field with your dirty hands. So you need to scrub those hands. Get um get the supplies that you need, select the appropriate size gloves. You got to set up your sterile area and again the detail in this is in your quick facts book. We're just doing a high level overview. Remember, sometimes um, opening the sterile package, uh, okay, I'm sorry, opening the sterile package with the sterile gloves by using caution, what you're gonna be touching is the flaps around the package. Remember the two inch border, the two inch border is considered the safe area for where you are grabbing everything, okay? You're gonna pick up the glove with your dominant hand first. So I'm left-handed, so I always pick up the, the first glove with my dominant hand, all right? Um, and then with your non-dominant hand, you are going to grasp the what? The cusp of the glove. And then you're gonna slide your dominant hand on here, okay? All right, be careful not to touch anything with the gloved hand because it is sterile. And then when you have your sterile glove in hand and you slip it under the cuff of the other, other glove on your non-dominant hand, you're gonna gently push on that glove until your non-dominant hand is now in the glove. Yes, definitely keeping everything above your waist. Good job. All right, and then after both gloves are on, that is when you adjust the gloves together okay you're going to adjust both gloves at the same time so even if it's on but it's not properly placed you got to keep going okay all right nurses should never touch anything other than what is required for the procedure with the sterile gloves if the sterile gloving process is broken at any point you got to use new gloves from a new package and then wear sterile gloves only when necessary, okay? Never wash gloves or reuse them. I've actually seen that. Please just use a new glove and gets a new set of gloves. Have you ever seen that? I don't know what it is where some nurses and some nurses aides actually wear gloves all day long like they wear them like they're outside and they put on gloves like you know how you have cold weather gloves and some nurses are like oh my hands are cold and they literally will just wear one pair of gloves all shift long I can't you know it's just like you can't make it up you can't make some of this stuff up but I know you will see it I know you will see it so we gotta we gotta find a way to have that conversation with are staff that just want to do things their way. They just want to wear one pair of gloves. They do everybody's vital signs. They do everybody's, you know, pass out everybody's tray with one pair of gloves. Do we understand that gloves definitely get dirty? Gloves actually get dirty. And I know you see, am I the only one? Honestly, nobody else sees this. Maybe, 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 maybe. Maybe it's just me. Okay. So common mistakes to avoid uh, in donning sterile gloves, you guys have been posting them here, but touching non-sterile surfaces, okay. Improper hand hygiene, inadequate glove package inspection. Now this is, uh, this is just making sure that when you start the procedure that there are no rips, tears, the, the package is not wet. Very important, incorrect glove selection sizes. You cannot touch your hair, your face. If you do, if you touch your hair, if you touch your nose, if you touch the mask, then you have contaminated those gloves and you have to start again. 
reaching into the glove with a bare hand. <laughs> All right. Um, somebody said, turn your back on it. Failure to maintain the, the sterile field. If you rush or you, you know, skip a step, you do have to do it pretty quickly, but you cannot skip any of the good steps. Okay, it's NCLEX question time. And, I, you know, I expect you guys to get these right. I, I don't I don't know. I expect you guys to get all of these right because this is basically a procedural test. Here we go. First question. A nurse is preparing to don sterile gloves for a procedure. What is the most appropriate way to open the glove packaging? Number one, tear it open quickly to minimize the risk of contamination. Two, open it slowly and carefully to maintain sterility. Three, ask a colleague to open it for you to ensure sterility. Four, shake the packaging to remove any contaminants. Ooh. <laughs> I'm so glad you showed up for class today. Okay, I'm so glad that you showed up for class today because donning sterile gloves, NCLEX can get you on the distractors, okay? NCLEX can get you on the distractors because you have to know this subject. So go ahead and put your comments on the screen, put your comments on the screen and we are going to, all right, we are going to explore this topic some more. So the correct answer for this one is going to be number one, opening that package quickly. You guys know in nursing school, they tell you to open it up fast. All right. Um, so I'm sorry, what is, tearing open the package or shaking it? I'm sorry. The, it should be number two, number two. I do not know why this says number one, please forgive me. It is number two, opening it slowly to carefully maintain sterility, opening up the package quickly or shaking. It can introduce the um, introduce contaminants. And so this should be opened up slowly to minimize the risk of contamination. Okay, let, sorry guys, I'm sorry. I was rushing when I did this. <laughs> Please forgive me. Can I ask humbly for forgiveness? I apologize y'all. All right, okay, all right. Let's move on to number two, all right? Okay, here we go. When donning sterile gloves, what is the best way to check for proper fit and comfort? <laughs> Number one, adjust the gloves after they are both on. Two, ask the colleague for their opinion on the fit. Three, choose gloves that are slightly larger than your hand size. Four, assess fit by gently moving your fingers within the gloves. Man. We're talking about what is the best way to check for proper fit and comfort. Y'all help me through today, it's Monday. I see a lot of number ones on the screen. I see a lot of number ones on the screen. Correct answer is indeed number one. Adjust the gloves after they are both on. You wanna make sure that you have sterility on both hands because when two hands are sterile, then you're going to be able to communicate with those two hands, understanding that they won't be contaminating each other. So you got to get the sterile gloves on. Question number three, when donning sterile gloves, which step should the nurse perform first? Number one, open the sterile glove packaging without touching the inner surface. Two, insert the dominant hand into the first glove and adjust it until it fits snugly. Three, while holding the first glove in place, insert the fingers of the ungloved hand inside the second glove cuff. Or four, perform hand hygiene using soap and water. Here we go, Remar nurses. What's the most important thing that you should do before, okay, before this? Correct answer. Yay, number four, it is always best to do proper hand hygiene and soap and water. Now, let me ask you guys this. How long do we wash our hands for? How long do we wash our hands for? I love this question because I, sometimes people will just say, we do it for happy birthday. But how long is that? <laughs> 
How long literally does it take us to sing happy birthday? Basic safety point, okay? And I see it, good job. That's it, at least 20 seconds. We need 20 seconds, all right? Put that number in your mind, 20 seconds. Okay, when donning sterile gloves, which part of the glove should be touched by your bare hand? Is it going to be the fingertips of the glove, the cuff of the glove, the palm of the glove, or for the back of the hand? Which is going to be, okay, which is going to be, mm-hmm, 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 Uh, I see a lot of twos. Everybody is screaming two, 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 two. It is going to be number two. Yes, the cuff. When donning sterile gloves, it's acceptable to touch the cuff of, cuff of the glove with your bare hand to facilitate putting it on. This helps prevent contamination of the glove's interior. Good job. You guys know sterility. You know donning sterile gloves. This is very exciting. Oh, let me see. Did we make our share goals? This is the most exciting part. Did we get to our 200 share goals? Let's see. What did we got? We have 544 people watching and we have 233 likes. Good job. All right. So the bonus question is unlocked. You guys did it. Teamwork makes the dream work. Here's the bonus question right here. The nurse is donning sterile gloves and accidentally touches a non-sterile surface with one of the gloves. Which action should the nurse take? Is it number one, discard both gloves and start the donning process again to remove the contamin contaminated glove and continue donning the other glove? Three, ignore the contamination and continue donning both gloves as usual. Just ignore it. Four, wipe the contaminated glove with a sterile cloth before continuing. So if you have a glove on, you accidentally touch a non-sterile surface with one of the gloves, what do you do? Do you just start all over again? Do you just remove the one contaminated glove and continue donning the other glove? Do you ignore the contamination and continue donning both gloves as usual? Or four, do you wipe the contaminated glove with a sterile cloth before continuing? What are you going to do? I hope everybody did choose number one. Yes. Okay. When you are in the midst of a sterile process and you break that sterile field, especially with a glove, you got to start all over again. Just wrap up everything. Ball it up and throw it away and just throw it away because you have to protect your patient. This is how serious it is. And know that you probably just threw away $200. All right. Those sterile kits can be $200 to $500 depending on what is in them. So it is very, very important. Were you a safe nurse? Did you get five out of five? Did you get it? Did you get four out of five even? Oh, I'm so happy that we went over this subject. And you know what? What I love about our study groups is that we are studying things that you have to memorize anyways, right? So I really want you to understand that showing up on Mondays and Wednesdays is definitely a part of you being prepared. Because some of you guys, although you know you have Quick Facts, which is a great resource, you're audiovisual learners. So hearing me explain it or just basically saying what's in Quick Facts helps you to uh, memorize it quicker. And, and, um, and I think it's really beneficial from the feedback that I'm getting. So let's continue on our study group. Part of the program has been served, the educational part, but you guys know that I also like to do Monday motivations across the nations. Look up, God will show up. Look up, God will show up. How many people need God to show up for them this week? How many people need God to do a miracle this week for you, okay? Do a miracle this week for you. I want to just tell the story of um, a person who needed God to really show up when they were praying. And sometimes when we pray, we don't necessarily feel like our prayers are getting answered and we get tired of waiting. 
And then, so over time, you become discouraged because you're wondering like, God, do you see me? Do you see me down here? Are you aware of my comings and my goings? Because I really need to be seen today. And I know you have a lot of going on, but I need you to stay here with me if you can do it, right? Right. And so we, we um, you know, we ask God those questions, but I, I like to just present that I think God likes to be challenged. I think God likes when we do that. I think God likes when we do that. There is a story, um, Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And I like this story. It comes from the Bible in the book of Kings. And, you know, when you <laughs> when you see this title, the book of Kings, you kind of think that in the Bible, it's going to be all about Kings. But it really, a lot of it is just about Elijah. Like a lot of it. I don't know why they didn't just call it like Elijah. But anyways, it's the book of Kings and it tells the story of Elijah. So let me go here. And Elijah, what happened was, was Elijah, he was a prophet of the one true God. Right. And so he's put in a situation in the book of Kings where he has to confront a king. And the king's name was Ahab. You guys know Ahab. Right. And so the thing about Ahab is that he was supposed to be God's guy. Like he was supposed to be the king that was going to have everybody worshiping God. He was the king over God's people, the Israelites. He was supposed to be the stand up guy. But he had married this woman who was like, I don't know, she was like the worst type of woman. She was a deceiver. She was a murderer. She was into witchcraft. She was into worshiping other gods. What was that woman's name? And it's a woman that, you know, you never want to be called this. But in common culture, in common culture, if you're called this, then you know you're not a good woman. Like you would never want anybody to call you his wife's name. Who was his wife? His wife was Jezebel. So if you if you heard of Jezebel, but you didn't know where she came from, this was King Ahab's wife in the Bible, right? And so he is led away by this woman in his life. And Jezebel is like, you know, causing all kind of mayhem. She's killing God's people. She, instead of having people worship God, she has people worship all these idols. Baal is one of them. Asherah is one of them. So anyhow, Elijah goes to King Ahab and he challenges Ahab to gather all the prophets of Baal. So it was 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of Asherah, which was another you know, false god. He says, meet me on Mount Carmel, all of y'all, one of me. And we will see, we will see who is serving the real God because we're going to ask God to consume our sacrifices with fire, okay? Who has the faith of Elijah to say, I'm ch challenge, challenge my God. My God can do mighty things and it will be all y'all against my God. Oh, I love this story, right? Because it's like, it's so, it's so suspenseful. So you have like 800 people against one Elijah. And so Elijah sets up his altar for the Lord with the sacrifice. And the, and the prophets of Baal, they do the same thing, right? They, they set up their altar and they are, I'm telling you, they are praying. They are dancing. They are trying to call their God. Wake up, God. Wake up. Come on. We need this fire. We need this sacrifice, right? And so they're doing everything. They're even like cutting themselves, making themselves bleed in all type of pain, trying to call this false God's attention. They're trying to get his attention, but nothing happens. Nothing happens. And so Elijah's sitting there and he's like, oh, wow. So Elijah, he rebuilds his altar. He places the sacrifice on it. And then what he does is he pours water to make the wood wet. Like he challenges and he wants to demonstrate that my God can do the impossible. That is what he believes. And he's not afraid to do it in front of a multitude of people. You guys ever know, like sometimes it's hard to serve God when you know you're not in the majority. Like it's hard to serve God in a place where people are not even acknowledging him. Ooh, you're gonna have, listen, if you wanna stand for God, you're gonna have to learn how to do it when, you in, when you're an army of one. 
can you be an army of one for God, like in your house right now? Like, even if nobody else is serving the Lord, can you be an army of one for God? Because guess what? Let me tell you, when you get in front of that NCLEX, guess how many is going to be in your army? It's going to be an army of one. And you want to have God on your side. Amen. Amen. And so listen to this. So Elijah makes the wood wet and he prays to God. And immediately, I mean, he didn't have to sing a hymn. He didn't have to cut his cell. He didn't have to dance around and do the tootsie roll and break it down. None of that stuff. God comes down. Fire comes from heaven, consumes the sacrifice, consumes the wood and consumes the water around the altar. God shows up for Elijah, makes a stand and says, this is it. There is no other gods before me. Y'all better keep that first commandment because ain't nobody else coming for you like God can come and rescue you. All right. And so the people, when they see this, I love it. They fall to their faces and they declare the Lord. He is God. The Lord. He is God. This event shows that the God of Israel, the one who they should have been serving, the one who they left behind, the one who they put aside to do their own thing. Okay. He is the one true God. And so as a result, the prophets of Baal, are seized and executed. Ooh, man, you don't want to be on the wrong side when it's time, when it's time. And Mark preached a really good uh, sermon yesterday uh, in terms of demonstrating that there are only two groups, okay? There, there are only two groups. There is going to be the good who is going to be rewarded, the believers who will be justified, sanctified, who will be preserved by God. And then there will be the unbelievers who will receive their just reward. And so at the end of the day, you always want to make sure you are on the winning team. You always want to make sure that you don't have to fight your own battles. All right. Because, you know, you can't do it in your strength. And I, I, I believe that those people who were praying to Baal, they really thought that that false God was going to show up and they were given their all. Don't you hate when you give your all to the wrong thing? Come on, somebody. When you're giving 110% to something that is not working for you, whether it is a relationship, whether it is school, you know, whether you find yourself in the wrong education, man. You are just giving and giving and giving and, and you're not being filled. You're not being filled up. So <laughs> you got to make sure you got to make sure that what you're giving to is going to be able to sustain you. Amen. All right. And so um, I love it because God shows up. The people see who the one true God is. And so at the end of the day, this is it right here. God answers persevering prayers. Now, he may not show up when you want him, but he's always what? Come on, somebody, help me do this thing. He may not show up when you want him. Somebody know the rest. And so you have to be okay with waiting on the Lord. You have to be okay. Because I'm telling you, when he shows up, he changes everything. And so you have to believe. You got to, you got to, you know, if you can do it all by yourself, all right, then you don't need faith. And so we, we have to be okay with seeing things big, like big, big things in our lives and knowing that God can do them. He will show up and check this out. This is it right here. Instead of dwelling on what God has not done for you yet. Okay. Give him your problems. Use the opportunity during this time to talk to him about it because God doesn't mind your questions. I see people in the Bible asking questions, right? We talked about Job asking questions. I think that God is open for the conversation, but you have to, you have to understand most of us are not ready for God's answers because we can't even understand them. Like he said to Job last week, where were you when I created the world? Can I even have this conversation with you? Because the depths of my knowledge, you don't even comprehend. I just need you to believe. I mean, how many parents have children, right? I have, I have a, you know, a two-year-old. I had a three-year-old. I have little babies. 
when they come in the kitchen, I tell them, don't touch the stove. Don't touch it. Right. And so I tell them, no, don't do it. Right. And I have to, I have to watch them make a decision whether they're going to trust me to not do it or not. Because if you're two years old, I can't say, don't touch the stove. It's hot. You'll get a second or third degree burn. You're going to end up in the hospital. Right. Can't un they can't comprehend it. They can only comprehend the no. That's it. Right. And some of us were like that with God. God cannot explain, hey, you're going to take this test. You're going to pass NCLEX. I'm going to put you on a 10 year journey to carrying out the ministry. You're going to save some life because you wouldn't even be able to comprehend all he's going to do for you. You wouldn't even be able to understand it. So quit asking for it. God just needs you to have the one word command, wait, right? That's all you can comprehend right now, but you wrestle against that, right? Maybe God is giving you the, comp the, the, the command, pray, right? Study, right? Believe, trust. And he's not about to explain to you all the mysteries of the, the, the universe in order for you to trust. You just need to trust, right? Because he's done it for you in the past. He's going to show up again for you. Give him the opportunity to do it. But you have to do your part. And it's not asking a million questions like why, when is it coming? What, what position am I? You said you was coming. What, what number am I in line? Am I number 13 or am I number 33? When is my deliverance coming? You know what I mean? And so we're all in the same place right now. We're all in the same place. I like that. Trust and obey. Yes, I love that song. Y'all know that hymn, Trust and Obey. Yes, all you have to do. Um, but so we'll get there. We'll get there, guys. But again, our PowerPoints, God answers persevering prayer. God will answer the prayer for those who truly believe in him. God will show up instead of dwelling on what God hasn't done for you yet, okay? Take your problems to him and talk to him about it. Talk to him about it. Can we do that? I believe that we can. Oh, man. Here's the scripture. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you asked in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Oh, yes. <laughs> okay. Oh, yes. I love that. Because look what all we have to do. We have to pray. We have to believe. That's it. And we can all do that. We can all do that. Thank you guys so much for watching and joining me here on Monday. What a great class we had on today. I am excited that we are on this journey together until you get your license. I'm so happy you found me here. I'm so happy you found me here because if you have to take NCLEX, then the things that we talk about will surely help you on the, the, the tough goal, okay? It's a tough journey. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Everybody would be doing it. But no, guess what? It's just you and me. And so that's it. We're gonna rock. We're gonna rock it out. We're gonna make sure that 2023 is a good year and 2024 is the next thing coming. We are literally on a countdown to 2024. So please make sure that you like, subscribe, follow me so that every event I have, you will be there and we're gonna get this thing done together, guys. Thank you, thank you again. Now go be great and remember this, I say it all the time, you know it, you can, you will, and you must pass NCLEX. Bye.